This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Halftime Show Podcast. Oh, he loves the fire and what a goal! This is the Halftime Show with Umar Adouri on Pulse 95. Nice strike! Oh, better than nice! Yes, yes, yes. Salam and welcome to the Halftime Show with Omar Alduri. I am your host covering everything sport, international and local. And coming up on today's show, the Rugby World Cup final has reached its end. Do you want to know who won it? Should I tell you? Are you sure? South Africa have won the World Cup against England. Congratulations, South Africa. As difficult as it is for me to admit that you guys have smashed it and you are now World Cup champions. In other news, UFC 244 has had an incredible build-up as we get set for the Diaz-Masvidal fight, one of the best fights of the year, and also a certain Darren Till from the UK and Kevin Gastelum face-off. Now that's going to be tomorrow morning in the UAE, but tonight in the US, so that's enough information to be talking about, especially when we got those kind of fighters involved. Now, there's been a lot of talk about Granite Jacker and the reaction following his controversial response to the Arsenal fans who booed him as he was substituted against Crystal Palace. We break down the sequence of events that has left him devastated and hurt. And I have to say, it's been mixed as ex-professionals, footballers, fans, the current players have all had their opinions uh, on the matter. Who's to blame? Is it the player? Is it the fans? Is it the manager? All this and more on the only place to be at three, the halftime show on Pulse 95. Pulse 95. Oh, he loves the fire and what a goal! This is the halftime show with Omar Adori on Pulse 95. Nice strike! Oh, better than nice! Yes, yes, yes. Welcome back to the halftime show. I'm your host, covering everything sport, international, and local. And boy, do we have some real good, real good sports happening today. UFC 244 kicks off tonight in the US. And tomorrow morning, for us here in the UAE, we'll be able to watch it. Now, I must say, I'm really excited about this one. And I'm sure you guys too. And but thank you for those who are tuning on the Instagram live at Omar Duri or at Pulse95 Radio. Shout out to Sosan, Kasim, Lady So as well. Nice to have you in the building. Maria Alduri, of course. Fatima Alakil tuned in from the UK. Thank you, mom, for tuning in. You always have one supporter, right? I'm grateful for that supporter. That's my main supporter. So thank you very much. And also, Debo, Lindsay. We got a lot of cool people in the building today. So thank you very much. And of course, Sheikha. And I have to give a special shout out for the person who's behind the music when it comes to the halftime show. Shout out to Sam. Sam is in the building as well. Now, guys, UFC 244 is happening. Now, I normally watch the countdowns just like any fan or the Embedded series. And I get into the lead up for the fights. How many of you do the same? Exactly. This one, however, needs no build up. George Masvidal has been on the scene for a very, very long time. Professional since 2003, he has also competed for Bellator, Strikeforce, Shark Fight, and the World Victory Road. He holds the record for the fastest knockout in UFC history at five seconds against Ben Askren. If you haven't watched that, oh my God. There are famous YouTube videos of him competing in bare knuckle as well, and boxing in the streets. Now, that's no joke, especially when it comes to the style of fighter he is. Now, for those that don't know, bare knuckle is when you fight against an opponent with no gear or protection under the other, uh, until the other opponent sorry, is no longer conscious. 
Now let that sink in for a second. That is just some madness. Um, it's brutal and understandable. It's banned in some countries and states. And that's why um, I kind of think, you know, it's not for everyone. But this guy, George Masvidal, comes from that kind of background. So that's something that will just tell you what he's about. His opponent, however, Nate Diaz, needs no introduction. Obviously, he was put on the map for a while now, but his Conor McGregor fight really kind of elevated his, let's say, his celebrity status. Now, he almost... He's one of those people that you kind of like in terms of the bad guy that the fans love. You know, he's got that kind of relationship. He's unorthodox in his demeanor. He says how he feels with no filter. And funny enough, doesn't really get involved in the trash talking or mind games, which has been a big part, obviously, of the UFC. His brother, Nick... Uh, and him spend their time training, doing triathlons, among other legal um, things in their state. And let's, let's just leave it at that. The fights itself are incredible. A proper street fighter and the mouth-watering clash it's set up now is unreal between him and Masvidal. So who's the baddest? We will find out because both of the styles are offensive. Neither fights in a defensive style. Whether they look to counter each other and play more of a strategic game, only this will be a rarity if so, but both are looking to finish each other off and that's definitely how it's going to come in this game plan in UFC 244. Man, I can't wait. You've got to be a fan to watch these events live because how many of us have that friend that posts, you know, the result as soon as it happens? And then for us living out here in the UAE, you know, it's normally 6, 7 a.m. when it's actually on live. And, and that's something that I'm like, oh, I need to get up before someone ruins it for me. So that just adds a bit more pressure as a fan to watch it. And on the card, we've got some intriguing matchups coming up, including Derek Lewis and Blago Ilan Evov. I had to kind of slow that down just for you guys because I struggle with that pronunciation. Both coming in at heavyweight, really, really good contest. Uh, both undefeated as well. The lightweight between Kevin Lee and um, Gregor Gillespie is another good one. Now, Kevin Lee is one of those that was up and coming for a while and stylistically is is very, very cool and very interesting to watch. He's, he's very smart as well as a young fighter, so that's one to watch out for. In the welterweight division, we've got Stephen Thompson, well, Steve Wonderboy Thompson against Vincent Luque, uh, who also, you know, fights at a very, very good, uh, good level. And Steve Thompson's kind of taken a, a seat back since his previous fights. And in the middleweight, a very interesting fight is Darren Till versus Kevin Gastelum. Now, with Gastelum, especially following the recent fight between the Stylebender and Robert Whittaker, we appreciate how close Gastelum took Adesanya to the wire. It was very unlucky, and you could see the reaction on Adesanya's face when he beat him. So Adesanya v Whittaker was more routine, and Adesanya was just the better fighter on the day. Now, in this fight, Actually, Gastelum almost takes more confidence now because he's had a fight in between his and he's seen how close he got to winning the title. His opponent, Till, is someone that's, let's say, destined for great things and has been for a while. You know, the fact he got educated out in Brazil, uh, being from Liverpool. Some may say he was rushed into it following his defeat to Masvidal at welterweight. However, had weight cut issues, which a lot of fighters do, especially when being naturally big for that division. His training has been much more stable because psychologically his mental state isn't occupied by having to lose weight for the fight. So that tells you a lot about that. And the 26-year-old has a pro record of 17 wins, two losses, and one draw. And will really be tested for this matchup against Gastelum if he, if he does win it. 
that lifts him up to a serious contender in the middleweight division. Text us on 4215-ITASALAT-ORDU or slide into our DMs at Omar Duri or Pulse95 Radio. Remember, there's a lot happening on UFC, UFC 244 and I can't wait. Coming up next, we talk about Granite Jacker and the controversial sequence of events that's cost him his place and maybe perhaps his captaincy. All this and more on the Halftime Show on Pulse95. This is Pulse95. Oh, he loves the fire that was a goal. This is the halftime show with Omar Al Duri on Pulse 95. Nice strike! Oh, better than nice! It sure is that time, and welcome back to the Halftime Show with Omar Duri. I'm your host, covering everything sport, international and local. Remember, guys, if you do miss our shows live, you can always catch all our content, music and commercial free, on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud. Just type in the Halftime Show, subscribe, and you get access to some incredible content. Really, really cool guests covering some amazing topics such as gut health, different training techniques to elevate performance, and how to address mental health. And seeing that I got a few people who are active and keeping me busy during the break, I got to give a special shout out to a few people, not just in the UAE, but in the UK who are tuned in. Gmo, Khaled Daoud, Shamani, Hani, George, Simsim, Amna, Ali in the UK, Ida in the UK, and Omar over here. Thank you guys for tuning in so much. means a lot to me that you guys support the Halftime Show, and especially at Pulse95. We love you guys, man. So shout out to you guys and hope you're having an incredible day. Now, for those that missed last week's action, let me fill you in on something, okay? I want to ask you to put yourself in the in this footballer's position because this footballer has been going through quite a bit, okay? So here, here's how it's going to go. I'm going to ask you, following the scenario that I set, to put yourself in this player's shoes and let me know by the end of the content how you would respond. Okay, so you are the captain of Arsenal. It is your first year as captain and despite being there for four years, you captain your country and have been for years. The players at Arsenal have voted you as captain after the manager wanted to get their opinion to make sure he had someone who represented the dressing room. Okay, are you with me so far? Good. Now, by your own admission, you're not the best player at Arsenal, but have had the trust from all the players to hold that prestigious honour, which has been held by some incredible legends in the game, such as Henri, Patrick Vieira, Tony Adams, and Frank McClintock. Okay, so those are a few names just to throw out there. Yes, I dropped some names. That's what I do. Now, a factor we have to take in mind is you are at a club with a big name that isn't at the level it was when those players were there. There are several questions about the identity, the board, the owners, and the manager. How does that affect you? Because on the field, you have the responsibility to conduct yourself in a manner which the others can follow suit and get results. In your personal life, you have just had a baby daughter born and you are now appointed as father of the household as well as captain of Arsenal. You with me so far? All right, good. Now against Aston Villa earlier this month, the game plan wasn't going the way expected, so the manager takes you off after 70 minutes. When he does, your own fans sarcastically jeer and boo you as you come off. How would you feel with your own fans laughing at you and yelling abuse? Now fortunately the team wins, so as captain the result is all that matters, however your personal pride and confidence is low as you're hurt by this. Now in the meantime, 
fan power is at its highest as the fans have several platforms to voice their opinion on you and rightfully so so they pay week in week out to support their beloved team and guess what your performances are not where they should be okay and by the way i have i have a lot of friends who are you know massive fans and and big and have massive personalities big personalities and big opinions troops dt robbie all these guys are arsenal fan tv i never knocked them down because you know what they've done so well to get the voice of the fan out there to the people in the corporate so that's that's where i lie on that now as i said that's all fine as long as it doesn't become personal where the players, family, race or religion is insulted because at this stage, we are now going against what sport does for us. And not only for us, but for society. It unites people from all walks of life to be a team. Now, results have been inconsistent for your team, showing brilliance at times, but also showing defensive frailties, giving away needless points to the opposition. For example, drawing with Watford, who have struggled to get any points all season. Draws against United and Spurs normally don't sound that bad, but under the circumstances for an ambitious club like Arsenal, that should be a victory. Now, you play Crystal Palace last weekend and you go up 2-0 before conceding a penalty just before half-time. The fans are getting anxious and you need to kill the game off. And as a team, but unfortunately, Palace equalised. The manager, Unai Emery, takes you off in a tactical switch to the opposition playing defensive and breaking on the counter. Now, as you see your number called up, the fans begin sarcastically to jeer and boo you. When this happens, you feel hurt again because you love the club and you give everything you have in every game here's when i asked how would you feel again as captain being booed by your own fans now many people react in different ways how would you react text us on 4215 it to or do or slide into our dms at omar duri or pulse 95 and let me know having based all this context so far how would you respond as granite Jacker seeing what's just happened now before we go into what happened you have your own thoughts. I've just given you what he's going through. Here's when I ask, how would you feel being captained, let's say of your school team, university team, when you get booed by your own fans? Many people react in different ways, but a few years ago, a player called Emmanuel Abue um, had a similar situation which destroyed his confidence and later the player spoke out about how his health was affected by it. And that's another thing you have to bear in mind. This person who appears larger than life on the screen as a footballer is actually a human being now i'm not on his side i'm not against his side i'm just throwing these things out there for you guys to make up your own mind jacker reacted wrong and as he took the captain's armband and threw it at obamayang he cupped his ears retaliated and showed major signs of frustration swearing back at those fans who initiated the response eventually taking his shirt off and heading down the tunnel now, I was thinking of many things when I watched this. Personally, in my opinion, if someone represents my team and has the badge on his chest, it's hard to, to boo him as frustrated as I am. I'll have my opinion on him, of course, but I won't go out of my way to destroy the man's confidence, especially if I know it's unfair to compare him to leaders of championship-winning sides. And at a time where we aren't a title-winning side and in transition, I don't believe that's something we can be expecting as fans. And we're sport as fans, especially at the Arsenal. You know, so I... I was also thinking of him as a footballer and as a human being. Now, as a footballer, the argument is you're getting paid to do what you love, so get on with it. There are millions of people that aspire to be where you are. Man up. I also think of the cases that footballers go through when they no longer have the game resulting to mental health. They get built up so high 
that the crash is even harder. And I also think of the human being who has recently become a father. Now he's taken time out. It's because he's Arsenal captain to to address his own brain and his own mind. That's why he hasn't responded straight away. Does he deserve the abuse from France insulting his wife and born daughter? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And this is what he had to say, actually. When he did take his time, he came out and he said, you know, I... He said, I I love this club and I give 100% on and off the pitch. Okay, that was the first thing he said. My feeling of not being understood by the fans and repeated abusive comments at matches and in social media over the last weeks and months have hurt me deeply. People have said things like, we will break your legs, kill your wife and wish that your daughter gets cancer. That has stirred me up and I reached boiling point when I felt the rejection in the stadium on Sunday. In this situation, I let myself be carried away and reacted in a way that disrespected the group of fans that support our club, our team and myself with positive energy. That has not been my intention and I'm sorry if that's what people thought. My wish is that we get back to a place of mutual respect, remembering why we fell in love with this game in the first place. Let's move forward positively together. So here's my question to the half-timers. So you've heard the story now. Who's to blame? Is it the players? Is it the fans? Is it the manager? The team voting for him as captain? Text us on 4215 do or slide into our DMs at Omar Durio Pulse95 Radio. And coming up next, we talk about the Rugby World Cup that's just finished and England lose to South Africa. Stay tuned for more on Pulse95. This is Pulse 95. It's a Shaja story. Oh, he loves to fire that. What a goal! This is the halftime show with Omar Alduri on Pulse 95. Nice strike! Oh, better than nice! Yes, yes, yes. Welcome back to the halftime show with Omar Alduri. Now, it's, how's your Saturday going? Guys in the UK that are tuning in on the Instagram Live, we've got a few people that are. Definitely adding their face value in what we just talked about. Shout out to Dodi, Sam, Hala, Kasim, everyone in the UK who is tuned in. Um, we just spoke, if you're just tuning in, we just spoke about Jacka. And um, I tried to to ask the half-timers to put themselves in the position of the captain of Arsenal on and off the field. And that was kind of the state of mind that I was talking. And Ali actually came up with something very, very good in terms of the fans' values. Now, obviously, Ali is not an Arsenal supporter. He's a Manchester United supporter. But he does speak a lot of good sense. He says that the fans kind of have to kind of question their values and see, you know, what's what's Berrain, your captain, going to do? Especially when they insulted their greatest ever manager. Now, that's a good point. But on the other hand, Sam says abuse is part, of, part and parcel of the game. And fans are entitled to their opinion. They obviously pay to watch the footballers but again guys the question was what do you guys think of the player on and off the pitch the human on and off the pitch the reaction i agree with absolutely absolutely you know i i i don't agree that he should have reacted in any sense or or anything i'm not defending him but i am saying that a lot of stuff has happened because of that and uh and that's where i'm kind of in two minds about it um, but anyway, on a lighter note, we'll get back to this in the fourth segment. But on a lighter note, South Africa have just beaten England in the World Cup 2019 final. Now, what were you guys doing when England won the World Cup? 
Sorry when England won the war. See what I'm saying? My mind's over there. Anna Schofield. Shout out to Anna Schofield, by the way. Uh, one of the co-presenters with Big Hass on Yellow Home. She was updating me on everything as I was coming into the studio uh, to do the show. And obviously, because the show is live, I wasn't able to watch it. Um, but the, the 2019 Rugby World Cup was the ninth Rugby World Cup. The tournament was being held in Japan, obviously, for those who don't know, from the 20th of September to the 2nd of November. And the first tournament to take place in Asia outside the traditional Tier 1 rugby nations. Japan personally won my heart, not just as hosts, but as rugby players, as well as displaying some incredible heart and passion throughout the tournament. They also moved up the rankings and were fa- with famous wins over Ireland and Scotland, making their first appearance in the knockout stages. The Springboks, however, the South Africans, have their own momentous landmark in sight. Because they've won, Sia Khaleesi would become the first black captain to lead South Africa, so shout out to him, or any other team to that title. Now, that, according to the 2007 Springbok winner, Brian Habana, lightning speed, by the way, for those that don't know, he was incredible. Um, he actually raced against a cheetah, so you should check that out. Uh, would unite him famously with the country, which had been greater, which hadn't had a greater impact in 1995, when Nelson Mandela famously donned on a Springbok shirt. And that's again something else that, coming into this, we looked at the head-to-head. There was 42 played. South Africa won 25, and England won 15, drawn two. Now South Africa added another one onto that, so that's 26 out of 42. And the stats and trivia now shows that a lot of things have come out of this um, this match. And South Africa were deserved winners. We cannot dispute that at all. Having lost to New Zealand early on, but then England beat New Zealand, South Africa had to turn up and they did. And that's exactly what uh, what came out of the final. Anna Schofield was a uh, blesser. She was updating me on on everything you know she was sending me voice notes obviously i can't repeat some of the stuff she was saying she's quite a passionate england fan <laughs> so to speak um and and yeah they, they they won it in 1995 12 years later in 2007 and then 12 years later uh, once more in 2019 so congratulations south africa on winning the world cup 2019 in japan against england the 20 point margin of victory is the biggest since 1999 when australia beat france 35 12 and that's exactly how we're going to have to give them a round of applause. There you go. Just because, you know, I like to, I like to feel that I'm a good sport, you know, even though um, I'm hurting. <laughs> but well done to South Africa. And shout out to Rich as well, who's a big South Africa fan, um, you know, from South Africa as well, uh, for, for a great World Cup. And now it's time to take in we're almost there at the full time guys it's time to take in your questions and answers and even send out a few cheeky shout outs straight after the break but first I want you to listen to one of my favourite tracks Rudimental are in the building enjoy you're listening to Pulse 95 Pulse 95 oh he loves the this is the Halftime Show with Omar Adori on Pulse95. Nice strike! Oh, better than nice! Yes, yes, yes. Welcome back to the Halftime Show. Man, what a what a day it's been. South Africa, shout out to South Africa as well. Shout out to Blake as well, who, um, who just won the World Cup rugby final against England. We've got to give them props, man. They did the they did the business. I'm sure Anna Schofield and Big Hass will be talking about that on uh, Yellow Home tomorrow, five to eight, guys. Make sure you tune into their show. Um, 
Wow, I'm getting a lot of uh, responses on what the segment today we talked about, Jacka, and uh, and I, I put the half timers in his position as as a as an Arsenal captain, how he would have responded, obviously on the pitch and off the pitch. And Dodi, Sam, Ala, you know your your points are all valid. Some are a bit harsh in in terms of saying, you know what, he needs to get on with it. He's a professional player. He gets paid to do what he does. Just get on with it. And some people saying that, you know, the the previous captains would have never done the same. See, that's it's a different title uh, winning side. It's a different era. We haven't won the title with Arsenal to be able to expect that kind of pressure. If those players were at um, Arsenal, Jacker would never be captain. So, again, it's a different mindset. And also the question is, why would the players vote him as captain is there something we are not seeing because technically we know he's not the best player on the pitch we understand that but does he do enough off the pitch for them and that's probably where that um that idea is getting lost in translation i know a lot of people that have been very harsh on him but i also understand that what this can cause is a lot of issues for him on a personal level mental health uh, his anxiety, his confidence, even the amount of abuse his family's been getting, that should never happen. And as I said earlier in the segment, a player uh, is a human being and sport has many, many things it does for society and that's not one of them. That, that could be a form of bullying. As I heard one of the opinions on uh, a UK show, actually, and they said that, that could be seen as a form of bullying because you've got 60,000 people or 40,000 people shouting at you, hurling abuse, booing you etc i don't mind the booze the booze can happen anyway but i'm not too i'm not too big on the insults and things like that it should never there's no space in that football and we see that we see that in in different countries with racism and sport and and all sorts of stuff so this isn't the start of it but merely the fact that what i am looking at is i'm looking at the player i'm looking at the human and i'm looking at the situation that he's in and the current situation is arsenal are not good enough at the moment so why should one player get all the abuse for a team that hasn't been consistent moving forward yes they've been fluent they've had some great performances Pepe, Aubameyang and Lacazette have all showed their their true colours defensively they've shown frailties Luis and Socrates have not been good enough Kalasinac moving forward is okay but defensive has always been weak Chambers has come in and actually done a decent job um, but again it's not Bellerin who isn't fit and we have seen three out of the four people start in cup competitions and they haven't been good enough so as fans we've been calling out for the back four of Tierney um, Louise Holding and Bellerin but having seen three or four out of those four players play against weaker opposition they haven't been good enough so that's that's kind of where it sets you up guys guys coming up on this week Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, three to four, you know, the usual the halftime show. We've actually got um, Dr. Alan Khoury, who will be talking about concussion in sport. Now, with the rugby just finishing up, it'll be interesting to get his views on that and also what role it's playing. Now, last week we spoke about dementia. And if you have missed our shows, guys, you can catch all of them on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud. Make sure you subscribe, like and share. We've got some incredible content talking about all sorts of things from gut health, to brain uh, management, neuroscience, sports agents, the homeless World Cup. We got some really cool things on there. Make sure you tune in and catch up on that and let us know how you feel. There's some plenty uh, there's plenty of amazing content out there on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud, The Halftime Show with Omar Dury. It is coming to that time, guys. It is full time on The Halftime Show and I have to shout you guys out. Thank you so much for being part of it. We love you here at Pulse95. Stay tuned for more. This week coming up 
on the Halftime Show. With me, Omar Duri, on the only place to be at 3, Pulse95. This is Pulse95. Tune in live every Monday, Wednesday and Saturday from 3pm.